Hour number two of Canuck Central. We're in the Kintech studio. This hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company, helping local business since 1892. If you missed the first hour of the show, we uh, talked a lot of Christmas dinner with John Garrett. Also some hockey. Yeah. I mean, he is a former Canucks goaltender and Canucks analyst. So uh, you get... All of the things with Cheech in the first hour of the show. And also, um, where Bruce Boudreaux is at with this current Canucks roster and if his message is maybe getting a little stale. So check that out on the first hour of the show. It is on podcast. Subscribe, leave a review. That way you never miss any of our exclusive interviews, post-game shows, or any of the great content we produce here at Canucks Central. Let's uh, bring in our next guest. It is Shane Malloy of Hockey Prospect Radio. Shane, uh, my co-host here, Sat Shaw, was uh, gloating about a great Christmas brunch. He wants, he prefers Christmas brunch over the Christmas dinner. No, I said you can have both. I okay. like both. Okay. Okay. Anyways, I mean, he just wants he wants all of the things. <laughs> Where are you? Like, are you are you a Christmas brunch guy or anything like that? No. I guess that would be more like I'd be like second breakfast, and I'm all about second breakfast. So I'm good with that, Sat. Yeah, uh, I like it. Absolutely. See, people are in text them box. We'll get to those coming up, but they agree with the oh. Christmas brunch. I mean, I, we were, I brought it up to Reach and uh, John Garrett uh, just last segment, and both of them looked at me like I'm, you know, I had devil's horns or something. I'm surprised that uh, John is like he's going to turn down an extra meal. <laughs> That's what I thought. As long as it's got ketchup accompanied. Cheech is good with it. Uh, that's that's usually how it goes. So uh, we're getting ready for the World Juniors. Gonna gonna talk a little bit of that with you. But uh, we, we've talked a lot about the Canucks and you know, the the recent demotion of of Nils Hoglander going down to the the AHL. And even though he's you know, played a ton of NHL games already, still a very young player. Um, can the AHL still be a a good development spot for young players in that sort of position, like? Hoaglander or Pod Colson who've had a lot of exposure to the, the NHL already? Well, I think one of the things it can do for a player is just reestablish habits, is to get back to a slower pace of a game so that allows them to really concentrate on their habits and what parts of their games that is really their strengths and like lean and double down on those strengths. Of course, over time, you're going to work on your weaknesses, but I think that really helps them in terms of their confidence so it's never a bad thing it just perhaps it was something that should have been done a little bit earlier mm-hmm. um but you know that really comes down to depth and what the coaching staff wants and you know what's happening with the american league team as well but i've seen it happen before with very good results and it's really about the attitude of the players going down if they go down sulking then it's you know it's not going to bode well for themselves or the organization but they go down there with a, a really great attitude. It certainly makes a huge difference. And, you know, they jump right back up into the NHL and get back to what they do best. And, you know, that first season with Hoaglander, mm-hmm. boy, he looked like a player that, you know, was going to be a, an established, really good third-line player for the Canucks. So who could, like, jump into a second line with injuries. So 
we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm crossing my fingers for him because I yeah. like his energy. Well, there's a lot of things to like about his game. I mean, you know, before we get to the World Junior stuff, and I know you guys on Hockey Prospects Radio did your um, World Juniors preview, and I'm glad to see that uh, it's available on podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any of your favorite podcasters. So it's a lot more accessible now, Hockey Prospects Radio. But before we get to that, you know, as far as this organization in terms of development and developing players through that minor league system, I mean, that's something they, they, they didn't really do under the previous regime, right? Right? I mean, if you're trying to establish a new development system, like that's the biggest thing they're going to have to figure out, isn't it? How they turn those players in the AHL into actual NHL players. Well, so there have been, honestly, it's an organization's Achilles heel since 2006, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at their record comparative to the rest of the league, they're in the bottom three of the league. You know, they had their moments where they've, you know, they've had drafts where, you know, they got three, four players, and then there's a string of zero or one player. And you just you can't sustain a winner by doing that. If you look at the best drafting development teams across the league, it's not a surprise that they're able to be either sustained winners or reestablish themselves. Like you look at the LA Kings, for example, Stanley Cup winners, they decided to like turn, like to go downturn a little bit and they quickly are coming right back up again because how well they draft and develop in L.A. You know, the Washington Capitals, how long they've sustained staying at where they are is, yes, of course, they have some superstars. But if you look at their drafting development record as well and what they've done in Hershey, they're in the top five of the league as well. So it's just you can't get around it. Like you can only rob Peter to pay Paul for so long before the bill comes due. And it's something that the Canucks organization – I think it's their number one priority. I know everybody looks at the players and what's going on. I like they're drafting, developing. That has to be changed, or it really, honestly, doesn't matter what they're trading for because it's just sooner or later, it's the bottom's going to fall out again. Well, and and you know, I, I guess we've seen this new front office sort of identify that as a real weakness, and uh, that you know they beefed up some of their player development staff and all these types of things but you know, I, I imagine that sort of thing can take a while to, to really take hold and and actually show results Shane well of course I mean you really can't honestly evaluate a draft class for five years so there's going to be a there's and of course there's no proof of concept with the new people coming in because they really haven't worked with other organizations in the past with any long track record so it's an unknown. Now they all seem very intelligent and competent people. So, you know, there is hope that they're going to do a really good job there. Um, but I mean, the first thing you have to recognize is there's a problem and then you have to go about trying to you know, fix that problem and by bringing in different people. And so they've done that. So now it's a wait and see. And unfortunately for the Canuck fans, it's going to be a little bit of a wait because most of the players that have to go through that type of long term development takes some time so we could be looking three to five to seven years down the road well and you know some of those players who could be part of the fold uh, are playing or could be playing here coming up at the world juniors and you know we'll talk about team canada coming up in a, in a couple of minutes and connor bedard and just how incredibly uh, talented he is and that team might be this year 
the Canucks have two players for Team Sweden, Jonathan Lakaramaki and Elias Pedersen on the back end, the defenseman. Uh, what do you make of those two Canucks prospects? Um, well, let's start with Lakaramaki as far as what he can contribute to Team Sweden this year, and, and what do you think of Team Sweden as a whole, really? Well, I got a chance to see them play yesterday, um, so I've seen three uh, pre-terminate games live. And, you know, I like the line he's on with, uh, he was with Liam Ogren and Noah Oslin in the middle, and he was on the right side. And, you know, what he can be able to do is bring goal scoring and quick goal scoring and some prowess on the power play. So for that line specifically and him is to be able to try to match up against, you know, third pairing, sometimes second pairing D of the opposition so that, you know, that skilled line can take advantage of it. And that's really what he's there for is he's that goal scorer for that line and one of the goal scorers for this organ for that team. So that's what I'm going to suspect when I look at Sweden as a whole. Um, look, you look at their top nine forwards, dynamic, highly skilled, dangerous. My concern comes on defense where there's not as much skill as in years past. And although they're, you know, they have a really young dynamic potential offensive defenseman and, and Axel uh, Polika Sandin, you know, other than that, you know, Kelly O'Dulis is good. Um, Elias Patterson is a good defensive defenseman. He's going to be, you know, valuable for killing penalties and, and uh, controlling front of the net, you know, smart outlet passes. That's what I sort of expect from his game. And it's going to be great experience for both of them. Uh, I think the world juniors is one of the better things that can ever happen to your prospects. The more prospects you have in, this tournament, the better, because it, it forces them to play at such a high level against their peer group. It just reestablishes, you know, who they are uh, and, you know, provides confidence. So I, I really think it's a, a fantastic opportunity. And the Canucks, you know, they really need to get more players into the World Juniors, which just means simply means they need to draft more players and not trade away the draft picks. Yeah, just uh, three total players uh, in in the tournament for the Canucks this year. Uh, Elias Pettersson, you mentioned defensive defenseman. Um, when you're evaluating prospects that are profiling as defensive defensemen, how hard can it be to project them out? And what, what do you specifically look for that can be translatable uh, as they try to work their way up the ladder? Actually, I find defensive defensemen easier to okay. evaluate um, because there's less variables in their game. Uh, particularly with a guy like uh, Elias Peterson, where you look, he's rangy, he's competitive, you know, he has good defensive habits. And those are the things that, you know, can translate into, is he a third pairing defenseman that can kill penalties and provide you some grit in that back end? And you need to have it. I know people get really excited about, you know, the they call it the modern, like offensive, more offensive minded defenseman, but you still need guys who can control the front of the net and break cycles and stop plays and make it really uncomfortable to go near the net and defend your goaltender. So that's where I think, you know, he fits that mold and that has value on organization. Look, look what happens at the trade deadline when guys like Ben Sherratt get traded, yeah. right. Or, you know, Josh Manson, like they didn't go for nothing. They went for some pretty sizable assets and there's a reason for it in the playoffs. So, you know, I think, you know, Elias Pedersen has the potential to be one of those like playoff defensive defensemen that has real value in the in the NHL. Just you got to be patient with him. He's just a young kid. Well, and when it comes to those types of players, considering the scarcity and finding them, 
it's 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 a it's a lot when you start going through the draft profiles nowadays especially when we do it from our perspective i see less and less of those types of players available to begin with even well they they become valuable because then what you're trying to mold them into is insulators for the more offensive mm-hmm. defensemen like a like a hughes for example so he needs to play with somebody who can insulate him to allow him to do the things that you know makes makes him special so you know you're starting to see a bit of a trend that way is where those type of insulating defensemen are sought after at the draft and you know you want to be really patient with them because they make the offensive defenseman better makes them feel more confident like you know look what happens with when Rasmus Dallin has you know a competent defensive partner who is willing to just do all the dirty work and he can go off and roam and do what he does best matters you know, when you, know, you look at the LA Kings when they won and Drew Doughty, who did he have as a partner? Like Rob Scuderi and, and Willie Mitchell, right? Those defensemen matter. So, um, you know, I think, you know, the Canucks identified that type of defenseman in, in Elias Pedersen, and we're going to see what he, you know, turns into eventually. But, you know, I like what I've seen so far in terms of that role for him. Shane Malloy, Hockey Prospect Radio, joining us. So, uh, Connor Bedard. It's uh, it's pretty impressive, but um, everything he's been able to, to put on paper so far, uh, everybody's going to be watching him coming into this tournament. Um, from your perspective, just what makes this player so special? Well, his ability to, to think three, three paces ahead of everybody else. Right. It's just really a talky sense. His ability to process. And that's what, that's the separation point. That along with you know, you look at players who are like him and, you know, it's the work ethic and their dedication. And, like, he just – he works so hard. It's something that isn't really talked about. But he works on his skill and he wants to constantly get better. So that matters. But it's – like, this is going to be a really intriguing world juniors for the for the draft because Adam Fatilli's in that list. you got to look at Leo Carlson for Team Sweden. So when the Canuck fans are, are watching their two prospects – Keep an eye on Leo Carlson because he's a big strapping kid at six three, probably he's almost six four, and you know he's going to be in that top three mix as well. Mm-hmm. It's really unfortunate the Russians aren't there, so we couldn't see uh, Mitchkov play because uh, he's a dynamic sniper. But you know I think we're going. There's a lot of good draft eligible players in this year's uh, World Junior, so I'm pretty excited to watch them all. And um, don't sleep on Fantilli and Carlson because they're going to be fun to watch as well. Well, you know, let's shift to Canada then for a second. I mean, you have Fantilli, Fantilli, you have Connor Bedard. I mean, those two players, as far as their talent, how good is Team Canada because of those two guys are on the team? And how close do you think their overall values are at this stage? They're close. They're close. I, I, the difference between, I think, Connor and Adam at this stage, and, you know, we're still in data collection mode, is, you know, I think Connor's hockey sense is better than Adam's. But Adam has the size. And when you have that type of size and skating ability, you know, it makes you a f- pretty formidable package. Uh, and, you know, I think they just add to the Canadian roster. Like, this roster's stacked. Like, you know, you forget Shane Wright and Logan Stankoven and Dylan Gunther and Brennan Othman and, you know, the Q line that they had out against Slovakia the other night with Dean and Gauthier and and wah, I mean, that's a really good line. They got some, some greasy guys down below with Schaefer and Ospachuk, too. And then, you know, the defense is, is good. 
really good. Lots of offensive upside there. So, you know, when you have Clark and Korchinski and Zellweger, um, you know, highly offensive defensemen, it's going to be, you could be fireworks for team Canada. When I look at all the other, all the other teams, uh, you know, I, th- I have to say Canada is the favorite, you know, and guys, you know, teams can get knocked off and, they're unfortunately they're not a dominant goaltender. Mm-hmm. It's the one t- it's the one theme that I've seen throughout this World Juniors. Like I look at the rosters, I'm like, okay, there isn't a goaltender's name that jumps out at me. Like there isn't a dominant goaltender. So if there's going to be an upset, you know, somebody's goaltender is going to have to stand on their head. And we haven't really seen that. I think since 2015. Remember when Dennis Godla for um, Slovakia stood yeah. on his head and they won a bronze medal? You know that's. That's what potentially could happen. But without Russia, it's really, you know, Canada, the States, Finland, and Sweden. They, I expect those to be the top four teams. But could Czechia or Slovakia get a hot goalie and knock one of them out in a, you know, winner-take-all, you know, game going into, uh, you know, to go into the semifinals? It's possible. But I don't know if the Czechs and the Slovaks are good enough unless one of their goaltenders stands on their head. Do you think that we could come away from this World Juniors viewing Olin Zellweger as the best defenseman who played in the Juniors? Mm, maybe, um, but Brent Clark is there too, yeah. right? So, look, and Brent Clark's played NHL games, and I can't emphasize how important that is in terms of he understands at what pace he has to play. And, you know, when you look at a guy like that, uh, particularly on defense, I think that really makes a difference. Like, I think Brent Clark is going to play the most minutes and should play the most minutes. Um, you know, and I've spoken a lot with his skills coach um, who has worked with him over the years, and, you know, his, his pacing is much better. So I think that's going to make a, a big difference. So uh, to me, if I'm looking at, like, the number one defenseman who's going to probably play the most minutes, I'd be looking at Brent Clark, but that could change. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. Canada does have a couple of guys who played NHL games, Dylan Gunther and, of course, uh, Shane Wright, who's, you know, there's been a ton of uh, coverage around Shane Wright and how much uh, he's been healthy scratched with the Seattle Kraken. Just before this tournament, he went down to the AHL, scored a bunch of goals, and uh, is now joining up with Team Canada here. Um, you know, could this be a, a Shane Wright tournament that, uh, you know, he kind of reminds everybody why he was such a, a highly, uh, highly touted prospect? He's gonna be very. He's gonna be very determined, and not necessarily to out to prove people wrong, but just to prove himself right. Mm-hmm. Uh, no pun intended. But that's really, that's that's what I'm looking at him. And honestly, I know everybody's all getting excited about Bedard and obviously with Fantilli, but really, like the number one center on this team is Shane Wright, and because he can play both sides of the puck extremely well. And he's going to have, he'll be forced to match up against the other team's best centers and really to drive the bus in that respect. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him play and just get reestablished and just get back to who he is. You know, I I think he just, you know, Shane Wright and Brad Lambert, could you not find two more prospects who have been maligned Mm -hmm. unfairly, you know, by no real fault of their own. Um, just maligned. And, and we had uh, interesting conversations on our show with Jimmy Roy, the director of player development for Winnipeg. And we talked specifically about that. And I think Shane Wright falls into that same category is like, you know, could the people on social media and the general media just like simmer down just a little, you know, they are 18 years of age, you know, you might want to tamper your expectations 
and you know maybe what the evaluations these you know everybody had of these players wasn't accurate in the first place because sometimes you know you have to realize when you're evaluating players that sometimes you're the problem like it's it's your misevaluation and not the player yeah right so you know we always get to put we put down the player but you know maybe it's the evaluator that got it wrong in the first place so i always like consider that like you know Maybe it's the uh, the user it's user error when yeah. it comes to evaluating players because it's not easy. Like I got two boys at home and like I have no idea what they're going to be. So how am I supposed <laughs> to try to figure out what an eighteen year old kid's going to be when he's twenty three? Right. You know, it's that's why it is the hardest job in hockey. No, it, it makes sense. I mean, you're, it's just projection, and and that's there. There's could be a lot of pitfalls in making any type of projection. And uh, you know, uh, before I let you go, I didn't want to ask about Team USA as well. I, I am a bit disappointed we don't get to see Will Smith at this tournament because you know he, he's a young center prospect and you know could be a top ten pick in this year's draft. But what do you make of uh, Team USA at the World Juniors? Well, they're this is funny. Like I think their top nine forwards are da- just as dangerous as Canada's. Hmm. Extremely dangerous. Um, they have some unknowns at goaltenders. And then one of the other interesting things is, I don't know if you guys took take a, taken a look at the roster of Team USA and the size of their defense, mm-hmm. but they're small. Like, they have Luke Hughes, who's a big, big kid, but he's more of an offensive-style defenseman. And then Ryan Chesley is six foot, 200 pounds, and those are their two big defensemen. Everybody else is 5'10", 5'11", 5'9". Like, it's a really small, mobile defense. And I'm curious to see how they can withstand really mostly in the semifinals or in the quarterfinals and beyond against some bigger teams if they can pin those defensemen back again in a cycle and see how they can handle that and how they handle defending in front of the net. Because I'm just unsure how that's going to turn out for them. They're very smart and very mobile, and they move the puck exceptionally well. But, you know, will they get worn out? Because, hey, Chechia, they got some big forwards. You know, Canada's got some big forwards. Swedes have some really big forwards. And the Finns are, like, like relentlessly feisty. So I think that's really curious to know what's going to happen with that U.S. Um, defense. And what I think is really interesting is guaranteed all the analytics people out there who love the smaller, mobile, intelligent defensemen are going to be cheering on the U.S., for them to win because it's a justification that, mm-hmm. Hey, look, you can win with small demon and not just one, but a whole bunch of them, you know, and then, you know, it's going to be the other side looking at it, at it. Okay. What's going to happen with this D? Cause if they're not successful, they're going to point back to say, see, you can't have that many small defense. So I think it's going to be an interesting theme for this world juniors. Well, it's going to be fascinating. And Shane, uh, we always appreciate your time. And again, uh, very excited to hear the Hockey Prospects Radio available on Spotify, podcasts, any of your favorite podcasters. And your World Junior preview is also up. So we look forward to chatting with you throughout the World Juniors. And with the way the Canucks season is trending, Shane, we'll be chatting a lot about the 2023 NHL draft as well in the new year. Anytime, gentlemen. Happy holidays and have a great day. Uh, you too. Merry Christmas. Yeah, you too, Shane. Uh, there he is. Shane Malloy, one of the best. Uh, always breaking down the games and the prospects really well with us here on Canuck Central, which uh, we may be doing more often yeah. uh, coming into the new year. Yeah, uh, I mean, the way the season is trending, we're going to give you uh, the best coverage of the Canucks. And the way things are going, the best coverage would include substantial draft prospect evaluations. Yeah. And uh, we'll break down in the way things are going. You're talking about a top 10, 15 pick. <laughs> and the Canucks have their second round pick this year. Is next year's pick they've traded. So uh, 
We'll have a lot to talk about in the top 60 to 90 players this year, Dan. Uh, probably, and uh, maybe the Canucks will add a couple of picks in those top 90 mm. uh, as we get closer. Uh, you know, Lane Hudson is uh, going to be a real uh, interesting player that I'm I'm curious to watch with Team USA here. Mm-hmm. I know uh, as a Habs prospect, he's gotten a lot of hype, second-round pick, smaller guy playing out of the back end like Shane Malloy was just just talking about. But, um, yeah, Canucks have a uh, only have the couple of players. Canucks fans are uh, Team Sweden fans, as we know. Pretty much. I saw Aku Koskenvuau yes. uh, with the Finland team, but I don't think he'll be starting. Yeah. He's only played a couple games um, with his uh, junior with his um, uh, NCAA team yeah. so far, so he hasn't really had a ton of runs. So I'd be surprised if he gets a ton of you know, playing time with Finland, yeah. but we'll find out. We'll see. Seems like the uh, Shane Wright... Uh, <laughs> could be it could be Shane Wright's tournament. Here. Hey man, I, looking if it's forward not to Connor it. Bedard's tournament. It might be Shane Wright's. I mean, he's the type of guy that should dominate that type of tournament. Yeah, you know, like a bit older, a bit bigger, has a more mature game. Like he draft should dominate. plus one year. Yeah. Usually, draft eligible players don't shine. But yeah. of course, Connor Bedard last January when they played the uh, original version of the 2022. WJC, he was dominating uh, even then. So yeah. we'll see how he does this time. Yeah, and Fantilli, keep an eye on him. And even uh, the Carlson kid from um, Sweden. Leo Carlson. Leo Carlson, very talented as right well. Right now, I mean, uh, projected third overall. Third pick. overall. Like, there's, like, the top five, very interesting. Like, even Michkov, the, the Russian, he's a, he's a winger. So I know that's not what Vancouver's looking for necessarily. But the way people talk about him is like a, like a superstar level score, potentially. Could drop down the draft, though. Could, potentially. Because of the situation. Yes. Uh, it's Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. We are Canucks Central. Uh, when we come back, we'll uh, get more into some topics around the Canucks. And we continue to get closer to puck drop as well. We'll have the pregame firing up at 6 o'clock and on Sportsnet Pacific at 6.30. You are listening to Canucks Central.